Hey, you guys, welcome to the Maine and Magic podcast, your pinned location for all things Disney. I'm your host, Dawn Brown, and this is episode number five. Whether you're adventuring in the parks or at home via Disney Entertainment, I'm here to bring you the guests and info that'll pixie dust your experience, and we plan to pick up lots of new friends along the way. You can catch the audio recordings on our website at mainandmagic.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Just search for Maine and Magic. You can also find us on Instagram at Maine and Magic, and after the show, we invite you to join our community on Facebook to share your thoughts about each topic and to connect with other Disney fans. This is the second episode in our cast member stories series, and I sit down with Nick Swader to discuss his experience on the Walt Disney World College program in the fall of 2016. We talk about how his initial love for Disney grew into a desire to work at Walt Disney World, some of the behind the scenes info of his work location at Space Mountain, and what he loved the most about it. We also dive into a very cool and special experience he had trying out for and being cast in one of the Disney Park's most honored holiday traditions, the Candlelight Processional. I am so stoked to bring you this unique perspective and hopefully get you excited and thinking about planning a future trip to Walt Disney World for the holidays. So join us on the red car trolley as we take a ride to the crossroads of Maine and magic. Hey everyone, welcome aboard this episode of the Maine and Magic podcast. Today I've got a somewhat recent Disney College program participant, Nick, here to talk with us about his program and how he got to be part of one of the Disney Park's oldest and most loved traditions, the Candlelight Processional. Hey, Nick, welcome to the show. Hey there. So I just want to cover a couple of things before we get into the juicy details, but um, why don't you tell everybody what program year and season you did? Sure. So I participated in what they call Fall Advantage, um, in the year 2016. So I arrived mid-June and then I finished my program just after the new year. I think my last day was January 3rd of 2017. Okay, cool. Was this your first Disney experience or had you been, you know, going to the parks for a while? Uh, so I grew up going to Walt Disney World a few times. Um, we had some connections that were in the um, like lighting and sound production for Fantasmic growing up, my family did. So um, we got to visit fairly often. Uh, And then, um, so my love for Disney, I guess, kind of cultivated there, started there. And then moving on um, to when I graduated high school, my senior year, we took a senior trip down there. And that's where I actually learned about the college program. I had not heard of it until then. I think they send recruiters out occasionally to universities, but I had just never heard of it. And that's where I found out about it. And from my senior year on, I knew that was going to be something I did while I was in college. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. I, when I found out about mine, it was just a poster in my college. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So um, that's cool that you kind of, found out about it, you know, before you even went into college. So you kind of already had that. It was on your radar. You were making plans. (laughs) Okay. So what was your, what role did you get assigned and like what location did you work at? So I got assigned to the attractions role, um, which can really encompass a lot of things. Um, But I got what I considered to be very lucky and was placed to work at Space Mountain in Tomorrowland. Oh, a Disney classic. Yes. <laughs> and attraction attraction roles were always a little I was in I was a role hopper and I did merchandise and food and beverage. So I never like when I went to work I didn't know where I would be working. Like we we you know, wow. we were in an area but it's like you could be at that store or that store, like who mm-hmm. knows? <laughs> mm-hmm. But attra- with attractions you're kind of dedicated to 
a specific attraction. Yes, especially for the, I guess you could say more complex or the the bigger attractions like Space Mountain, um, because the, the safety book for that is quite lengthy. Um, they keep college programmers, prob- you know, dedicated to that one ride versus in Tomorrowland. I know that a college program, I'm sorry, a college programmer could end up working, say, like um, the Carousel of Progress and the Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin. And they yeah. can end up working between either attraction during the day versus Space Mountain with its own rotation. Okay, yeah, I've heard that because some of my friends that worked Tower of Terror, that was their only, yeah, that was their work location. Mm-hmm. That's interesting to know uh, because I do see like in our college program alumni group, some people worked like Winnie the Pooh and Peter Pan's Flight. Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so. You kind of touched on it already, but, you know, give us kind of a, like, why did you want to work for Disney? What what inspired you specifically to apply for the Disney College program? You know, uh, my love for Disney, I really don't know where it started, but, like, if you ask any of my friends one trait or one quality that sticks out about me, they're all going to say, Nick's a huge Disney fan. And I'd... I'd I wish I could pinpoint exactly where that started. I I guess it did start with the parks. I mean, I grew up watching the movies, but something about the theme parks just um, is what rings special in my heart. And I guess the reason why is just because of the magic that they do make for their guests. Um, And then one, one, I guess, event that happened um, when I was in probably, I was in early elementary. So let's say first or third, first to third grade, somewhere in there. Um, We had gone to visit, to watch Fantasmic on our last night of that trip. And like I said, you know, our family had some friends that were involved with the special effects and audio and all of that for that show. And so after that performance that night, we were there and our friend, comes out um, and meets us like at the exit of the theater there in, in Hollywood studios. And it's like, Hey, do you guys want to go meet Mickey? And, you know, as a kid, I was like, Oh my gosh, heart throbbing. Like, yes, yeah. I want to go meet Mickey. <laughs> so he escorted us backstage and I got to meet, you know, Mickey Mouse himself, just fresh off the stage from Fantasmic. And that was just, I mean, oh my goodness, I still have a picture. It was, I don't know. It was, it was a crazy experience. I loved it. And that's probably what kind of started the yeah. for all that because I want to do that for people you know so. yeah yeah and you can't recover from that like no <laughs> you good luck to your parents after that like right, trying yeah, to no like tap that one time <laughs> <laughs> um that's cool I I think that that happens a lot with we'll say Disney people there's just they have they go to the parks they have that experience and they want to do that for other people Mm-hmm. Yes, I think anyone that you ask that's done the college program, it's not going to be, well, I was just looking for something to do while I was in college. You know, most of them have can pinpoint a story or an event or something that happened that made them say, you know what, I think I want to do this for yeah. other people. Yep. How did you feel when you found out your role in your park assignment? Were you happy, excited, nervous? Like, yeah. So um, during the interview, uh, you know, they asked like what roles I was more interested in over the other ones. And so I definitely had attractions at the top. I think it was my number one preference. And I got the letter. I can still remember where I was at <laughs> when I got that email um, saying that I'd been accepted. And it told me attractions then. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, I got my first role. And then I get down there to check in. And that's when I found out it was going to be Tomorrowland, which was one of is probably my favorite area of Magic Kingdom. And then I was excited all over again. And then I show up to like my first day of training and they're like, you're going to be working at Space Mountain. And again, I just had the whole experience of, oh my gosh, is this really happening kind of thing. So they do. It's funny. Mine was in 2001. So even for you all the way in 2016, 15 years later, they still send you that letter and it's a total cliffhanger. Yes. <laughs> They're like, you're going to be doing something in this area, but we don't know what yet. And then it's, as you go through the process, you get, okay, you're going to be in this park. Okay, you're going to be in this location. They really just, they build you up. <laughs> right. 
well, that's good. Cause you know, I think, you know, when I found out I was going to be, I was a roll hopper. So I did merchandise and then halfway through my program, the merchandise ends and I go over to food and beverage and I'm like, uh, I don't really want to do food and beverage, but I ended up loving it. So I think they know what they're doing when they're, when they put you places, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so, okay. This is going to be super interesting because I don't, I don't know a ton about what you guys do in attractions. So like, what were some of your duties? Like what, what did you do all day? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So pretty much anyone that works at an attraction. So like for me, I was trained at Space Mountain. I'm trying to do any role imaginable at Space Mountain. Um, you know, that goes from greeting guests at the front of the line to all the way to, um, you know, when the rocket pulls into the unloading station to say, welcome back, space travelers, please exit this way. I mean, I do all of that. Um, and then a lot of those roles, for instance, like greeting people at the front of the line are actually considered to be safety critical. So um, we're only allowed to stay on a safety critical role for 45 minutes. So the rotation comes every 45 minutes for us to move to a different spot. So we're all the time, you know, moving somewhere else to a different spot in the attraction. So we have to be trained to do all of it. Now, is that considered a, a safety role because you have to check heights and things like that? Yeah, it keeps, I guess, you know, it keeps the cast members from becoming complacent. So if I were to sit at the greeter role at the front of the line for, you know, over 45 minutes, I'm less likely to catch someone that is under the height restriction than I would be if I'm just there for a short amount of time. It kind of keeps my senses heightened, I guess. Oh, yeah, that's I can see that. Okay, so you really, you were, I bet that helped the day go by faster. Oh, yes, they because you're Because you're, you know, you're here and then 45 minutes later you're somewhere else and then you're somewhere else and then... So you could your break comes along, you know, it just it, it flies by. <laughs> so you so you could have done how many, you know, how many different I guess stations did you could you do in one shift? You know, I don't know because some nights the way the rotation works, you would like run through the first 3 and then it would be time for your break. So then your break would come and then you'd pick up the first one that you had done already. So some nights it would be like position, you know, like a um, loader person at load to like the person that's grouping the parties together to sit together in the rocket mm-hmm. and then break. And then at the end of my break, I picked that load position up again. So some nights it was like, that's all I did were those like two or three things. And then other nights I'm all over the place. Um, it really depended on how busy it was really. It seems like the busier the parks got, the more it was kind of sporadic where I went. And I guess that's because there's more people clocked in so they're having to fill more holes in the spots when breaks come up or you know i'm not really sure but that's interesting so so i have to ask were you ever the guy that was like up in the booth you know that you can see as you're kind of like coming into the area where you're going to start loading people how you have to go to the right or to the left were you ever the guy in the booth (laughs) Yes. Um, I don't that know. That cool guy that everybody waves at. <laughs> waves at, yeah, when you go underneath. Because I know, like, in some of the attractions, like, uh, it's a small world. Like, it's very, you can see the person, and you're, you're, they're sitting, like, in this booth up top, and you, the boat kind of goes underneath them. Yes. But at Space Mountain, it's actually an enclosed room. Um, it is there at the front. And I think back in the day when it was first opened, um, the people that were in the control tower could see out, but they very soon closed that in to where it was its own room to keep the cast members that were in there from getting distracted by people walking by in the line. I gotcha. You gotta pay attention. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even in some of the newer attractions like Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, their control tower is actually like somewhere backstage, like adjacent to the break room or something. It's not even anywhere near the attraction itself. <laughs> okay. I have not had the pleasure of doing that particular attraction yet. Um, oh, man. Because the last time I was there, we had a small child with us, and the oh, line man. situation was yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> uh, yes. I, I, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so that is on my list for a future visit. But um, I didn't notice that they had closed that off last time. I did ride it last time I was there. 
I will have to pay yeah. more attention to that next time. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, so, okay. So tell me kind of like a typical day for you as far as like, you know, leaving your apartment to arriving back home because going to work at the Magic Kingdom specifically is very different from <laughs> the other parks. Uh, Animal yeah. Kingdom is an interesting work going to and from work scenario too, but the Magic Kingdom is special. So kind of tell us what your kind of day looked like when you had to go to work. So, uh, well, first, you know, um, probably the same when you were doing the college program, but the college programmers, we all get the graveyard shift. Oh, yeah. Um, we're closing the park by 100%. I have some friends that had different roles that, uh, up at the front of the park that maybe got a few day shifts. But me, like, if I'm going into work before 4 p.m., something is off. That is <laughs> unusual. Um, so generally, if I had to be at work, say, let's say my clock in time was 5.15 p.m., um, I would probably leave my apartment at... Um, well, and this is another thing. I didn't, I drove to my program because I live in Alabama. So I just drove straight down. So I had my car. So I got to drive to work. And so I would leave about an hour and a half before my clock in time. Um, you know, if you had to take the bus, there is a bus system that will take college programmers. It picks them up at their apartment complexes and to their work location, which is great for people that fly in. But luckily I didn't have to deal with that. Um, yeah, anyway, I drove as well. I'm so um, glad I had my car. Yes, because I mean, especially like, let's say, you know, same thing, if I'm taking the bus, and I need to clock in at 515, I know I need to leave an hour and a half before. So that's, you know, roughly four o'clock, let's say, well, there's a bus at 3.30 and then one at 4.30. Well, you have to take the 3.30 one. Luckily, I could leave right when I needed to. So um, anyway, so then I drive back there and it would take about an hour to from the time that I parked my car backstage it would take about an hour to get to Space Mountain because you have to go through security which is great but you know that does take time and then you take a bus that would kind of bust me back to my spot where I would get off and then I would walk I would actually walk on stage to my role um, which was really nice I didn't have to go backstage and walk underneath anything so and you, can you confirm this for me? So do you, are you still not allowed to bring your costume home? Um, do you still have to get your cost, like go, you know, arrive, get, get your costume change and then go to your work location? Or are you allowed to arrive at work already in costume? Yeah, luckily, I, I didn't realize you couldn't at one point. But yeah, oh, yeah, I was able to check out like two or three full full costumes. And, you know, if I wanted to check them back in and let Disney clean them and check out clean ones, I could. I just did my own laundry. So I, I'd handled it all. But yeah, I was allowed to check out. I think it was three costumes plus a jacket and a belt and, you know, a hat and all those things. I cannot imagine not. Did you did, did you have an experience where you weren't allowed to check out? Any costumes? When I was there, Magic Kingdom, you were not allowed to. Oh, my goodness. So my, I was at the studio, so I could take home five costumes at a time. But And and also when I worked at Animal Kingdom, it was the same. But Magic Kingdom <laughs> cast members, when I, when I was there, they had to go to work, go to costuming, get a costume, change, go to their work location, and then check it back in on the way out on the oh way out. Goodness. So I, I can can't, the congestion that would make. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, I had some friends that were like, I love working there, but this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, luckily I didn't have to deal with that. So. That's good. Okay. So then you are at work and you're going through your rotations and you yeah. have your break. Um, and okay. So then for you, it was an easy go home cause you had your car. Yes. So like I clocked in at 515, let's say, and let's say Magic Kingdom closes at 11 p.m. tonight, um, which let's say it closes at 11 and then they have extra magic hours until midnight or sometimes two in the morning. 
or sometimes three in the morning. Only <laughs> once did that happen, but three in the morning. Um, and so then, you know, the magic doesn't stop. So you have to wait for the attraction to empty itself out um, because we'll have hundreds of guests in line at park close, but they're all going to get to ride. And, um, and then once we cycled all the guests through is when we would cut on all the lights and we would go walk the track for lost and found and um, turn all that in up at the front of the park. And then I would probably be home. So let's say magic human closed at three. I would clock out at probably four fifteen in the morning and, oh. then, and then be home by like five AM. <laughs> High-fiving your roommate as he leaves to go. (laughs) That, okay, so walking the track for lost and found, what what were the typical things everybody lost? Oh, lots and lots of sunglasses, for sure. And what stinks is I'm pretty sure they sell, like, very nice sunglasses um, on Main Street. So like all of the brand name, like Ray-Ban and Oakley sunglasses, but I can tell they had just bought. Oh, lost. that hurt. So that, yeah, that was not good. I did find a few cell phones, of course, some Mickey ears and mini ears, of course. I'm trying to think if there's anything like crazy odd that I lost um, or that I found. I don't think so. Mainly that was it. I, it was kind of bland on the lost and found. um did you have any you know of all the different sort of roles within your role were there any like favorites did you like loading or unloading or greeting or any particular part the the most my two favorites are one the control tower because who doesn't want to sit behind this big array of fancy flashing buttons with knobs and all this stuff and then a wall of like video monitors for you to watch. Like you just feel like you're running the place. So you got to love that. And, um, and then uh, my next favorite would be where they, the, we called it restraint. It'd be the person that's like, pull up on your lap bar to make sure that you're all tucked in because that's when the guests are most excited. You yeah. Know, waited all this time. They're on the rocket. They're about to go. And so I loved interacting with the guests at that point. So those are my two favorites for sure. There were definitely some stressful ones, but those two were my favorite. <laughs> what did you ever see anybody when you were in the control tower doing anything super naughty, like you like trying to stand up or anything like totally ridiculous where you where oh, you had yes. to, yeah. Um, I mean, I had several because there are cameras that are you know facing the rockets as they're going up the main lift, and there are several people that see the stairs to the right. And they're like, oh, I can get out, and you you could see that they're trying to slip out. And so um, we had a, we had a microphone where we could you know kind of come over the PA and tell them, please remain seated. And if they didn't listen, well, we got to stop the ride because of safety issues. And then of course they'd be like, oh, I know that was me that just did that. <laughs> so yeah. that was always kind of fun. Um, and then. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. You know, a lot of, um, believe it or not, a lot of parents would try and find ways to make their kids appear taller than they really are. I so know that. They ride the attraction. And I, a lot of times, you know, I would catch it, especially like they would put something in a hood or like some napkins in a hood and make their kid wear a hood. And I'm like, well, I take the hood off and all these napkins fall off. And I'm like, well, I don't know what's going on here. And then the kid, I would explain to them, you know, hey, if it was a girl, I'd be like, hey, princess, I'm so sorry, but it looks like we're not tall enough to ride this year. And she would be totally fine with it. It's cool. No problem. But the parents would be the ones that were upset. And I'm like, I'm sorry. It's for your kid's safety. That was always a stressful situation for sure. Let me refer you to child swap. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. We can do that. Rider switch. But sorry, they can't ride. Yeah. We definitely have these height restrictions for your safety. Right. Uh, I'm not being mean, I promise. Yeah. For your safety. Okay. So you, you, you enjoyed like, you know, interacting with the guests. Did you have any like particularly memorable guest interactions while you were working? So there is a, I don't know what you want to call it. Like I would come in for my break and we would go to the computer and the computer would kind of give us a, um, where to go next. It would print off a little receipt until you go to restraint one, go to, you know, greeter three or whatever. And there was one. And I honestly, I think it was called galactic greeter is what this position was called. And, um, it was out of rotation and there was a special backpack in the break room that we would get when we picked up this spot 
And it inside of the backpack was like paper fast passes, um, some what they called a no strings attached card. Oh, I love um, those. <laughs> yeah. And I'm trying to think if there was anything else, maybe some, maybe some merchandise, but those were the two main things. And so like, I would get that backpack and walk through Tomorrowland and just find a family that maybe looked super stressed or tired or one that wasn't just sitting over here enjoying lunch or something. I'd walk up and be like, Hey guys, you know, how's it going? Just get to know them a little bit and through the conversation, kind of figure out maybe what their favorite attraction is or what their favorite, you know, something is. And I mean, it could be outside of magic kingdom, you know, like they're like, Oh, yesterday we went to ride dinosaur at, at animal kingdom and we really liked it. I'm like, well, Hey, why don't I go ahead and I can write you guys a fast pass so that you can all get on dinosaur tomorrow again. Or, or, um, they're, you know, what's your favorite place to eat dinner? And they're like, Oh, we really like to go to, you know, something in Adventureland." I would write no strings attached for them to go eat dinner. And, and then after all of that, I would go, okay, well, you know what, let's go ride space mountain since I'm a little biased and I work there. So, and I would just escort them on through the fast pass line. And that was probably some of the more memorable um, guest interactions. For that sure. is so cool. Oh, I bet people were just like so jealous when you got to do that for, did you get to do that yeah. very often? <laughs> I did it twice um, in the entire what seven months that I was there they it didn't come out often um it would only happen it was weird it would happen during like the slower months because you know there's a lot of cast members that need to work and so then also there's not as many guests so we kind of had that flexibility and then it would also happen when we were very busy so it was either or it kind of wasn't in the middle that I noticed that's so cool though. What a fun, and you could, and you kind of had the the run of Tomorrowland. You could really go anywhere in that land. Right. I was empowered to do really whatever I wanted to make a magical moment for the guests. And I oh. love that Disney was, you know, paying me to do that so that that way they create magical moments. And then the kids remember that the same way I remembered mine from when I was a kid. Okay. So besides the candlelight processional, which we'll talk about in a minute, what were some special experiences you had that you could only have had because you were a cast member? I think um, experiencing, because I was there for Magic Kingdom's 45th birthday, and getting to experience that as a cast member was very unique. Um, they definitely had some, I don't know, some like, you know, different like merchandise or buttons to give us, but there was something about experiencing that as a cast member um, where backstage they like had a meal for us because it was the 45th. So we got to, um, you know, eat lunch or whatever, and it was all paid for. It was catered in um, or there was like photo booth set up backstage. That was really fun. That galactic greeter is definitely another one that I was going to bring up, but I brought it up now because or then because it's just a great one. I don't think if there's anything else as a cast member. I think just the fact that I was able to be a part of the magic and that's something that only a cast member can really do is enough. Like that was, we could end the conversation there about how awesome yeah. that was to go to work each day and just say, I'm working for the mouse, you know? Yep. I, I feel the same way. What were, you know, outside of work, some of your favorite things to do? Were you uh, all day, every day at the parks or I'm going to Clearwater for the weekend or somewhere in the middle? They, I got some advice um, back before my program started that was like, don't let a day pass that you don't go to the parks. They were like, you're going you're gonna to be tired, so you're going to want to, you know, sit in the apartment and binge watch Netflix. They're like, but don't do it go to the parks because it's your days are numbered kind of thing. And I'm really glad I got that advice and took it because I did. I mean, I was at the parks every day that I wasn't working. There's probably a few in there somewhere, but that was probably the best advice I could have ever gotten. And because of that, like I have like so many memories of, you know, just, just random things that don't even really like poke out, but like on ride photos that I remember, or um, there's a photo booth in, um, Dino Land at Animal Kingdom that we took and we threw popcorn in the air and it was great. You know, just stuff like that. That uh, Because I went to the parks with my friends that I just made there, you know, I was able to create memories that, you know, and friends that I still have. Yeah, it's crazy. I have friends almost two decades now. It's right. almost, it was almost easier to maintain the friendships with 
the people that I knew for six months on my college program than people that I knew all through college. <laughs> and it's crazy because, I mean, I know you're a part of like the social media communities that the college alumni are on. And it's crazy how we're all just kind of, I mean, we're total strangers with each other, but we all act like we're friends because we do have something in common. Although I've never met you and you live on the total opposite end of the country from me we're still cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's totally true. It's like, oh, you did the college program. You immediately passed every test. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, you were a cast member. Okay. We, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So from here, I'm, I want to actually jump into talking about the candlelight processional because this is such a cool thing that you got to do. <laughs> um, so if for anybody kind of out there listening that doesn't really know what it is, it is the the telling of the Christmas story by a celebrity narrator with music from a choir. There's like a 50-piece orchestra, um, and it takes place at Epcot um, in the World Showcase. Uh, it's one of the oldest Disney park traditions. Uh, the first one, I guess you could say really that the start of it actually happened in 1955 at Disneyland. But the first like official sort of candlelight processional was in 1958. And they had like their celebrity narrators were like John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart, Gregory Peck. So um, it became so popular that when Walt Disney World opened, they immediately started doing it at Christmas, you know, that very first year, 1971. Um, and then in 1994, they moved it over to Epcot. And it it's a big deal. Like, it can be difficult to get a seat um, because the, the theater is rather small. It's in the American Gardens Theater right across from uh, the American Adventure Pavilion and World Showcase. There's like, yeah, I think there's like a thousand seats and like anywhere from 50 to 75% of those seats are actually reserved for guests that booked a candlelight processional dining package. So there's not, you know, so you, you might be standing room only, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's hard to get a seat. Um, but I think because of that, they've, they've added, I think they do like three shows per when they, on a night that they do it, it's like three shows because for a while it was like one or two and it just, there's too many people that want to see it. So, mm -hmm. um, but had you, had you ever been to Disney at Christmas before or was this kind of your, was your program, your first experience of Christmas time at Disney? Yeah, it was definitely my first time to be at the parks during the holidays um, because, you know, growing up and living where I lived, it, Disney wasn't just a weekend trip. So we had to save it for, you know, things like summer break when my mom, who's a teacher, and me were both off school. So this was my first time getting to see everything decorated for the holidays, for sure. Okay, so you had not seen the Candlelight Processional before actually taking part in it. Right. I have yet to technically see the candlelight processional live for myself. Okay. I've been in it every time that I've seen it. <laughs> um, okay. So how did you find out about auditions? It, this is, for those that don't know, like Magic Kingdom has the very Merry Christmas party, but that is all kind of run and operated by the entertainment you know, Disney's, you know, normal entertainment, like people that are normally in parades and those kinds of things. And uh, the Hadborn family spectacle of lights is no more at the studios. May it rest in peace. <laughs> so this is, this is special because this is the only thing at Disney that's kind of like voluntary and cast members who are not part of any kind of entertainment group can take part. So how did you find out about the auditions? So um, it, the way it worked, I guess, for me is I had a roommate that um, the way the candlelight processional is kind of set up is on the stage. You know, you have that orchestra that you mentioned. Um, the cast member 
Christmas tree in the center, which is, you know, this big uh, Christmas tree scaffolding set that's got all the cast members on it. And then on either side of that, there's these big blocks of bleachers that high school course programs get to um, audition and then they can come to Disney and they get like uh, with Disney performing arts is what that's called. And they get to like go through a clinic and all those good things. But anyway, so I had a friend that was in high school and he got to sing in the candlelight processional. And he told me that when we were roommates, he said, Hey, I'm auditioning for the candlelight Christmas tree. You should audition with me. And I had no clue what it was um, at the time. And then I loved this thing myself. So I said, heck yes, let's, let's go for it. And so then I auditioned. And then while, when he kind of said all that, I also noticed on the cast member hub or their intranet, whatever you want to call it, where you kind of log in and check your scheduling and stuff. It was on the homepage. Audition now for candlelight processional cast member tree. So I saw it there too, um, but I heard it from my roommate first. That's cool. So your roommate kind of showed up knowing he was going to do that already. Like he already decided yeah. he was, you know, on his arrival day that he was going to try out for that. Mm-hmm. He said he had, that it's something he had wanted to do since he was in high school, knowing that he was going to do the college program, that he would also try and get into the Casper retreat. Cool. So you kind of had the inside scoop. <laughs> yes. Yes. And he knew way ahead of time, you know, he knew it was coming. So that was really good. So, what were what were auditions like? Um, so we got when you sign up to audition, you can select which part you want to audition for. Uh, the, the basics, you know, soprano, alto, tenor, bass, alto, um, and then you select. You know, for me, obviously, I'm gonna. Well, for me, I'm gonna sing tenor. He auditioned for baritone, but um, and so you select that, and they email you like a an MP3 file with some sheet music of the show and you're supposed to, and it gives you like different parts from each song that you can select. And you only had to select one and then you um, pick an audition date and a time slot. You show up to this building backstage and you go into the room and you know, it's you and the, the pianist and the, the judges, I guess. I don't know what you'd call them, but, um, and I auditioned and then I went home. And then that's when I got the email probably a few weeks later that I'd been selected. So. Oh, cool. Okay. Was that nerve wracking for you or do you, are you like cool singing by yourself in front of people <laughs> that are judging uh, I probably, you? <laughs> I probably never sang in front of people. Um, I grew up though playing instruments, you know, violin, piano. I was in band in high school. So performing as a soloist in front of an audience or adjudicators is not really foreign to me. So I was kind of prepared, I guess, in a way. Okay. Cause that would totally just wreck me. <laughs> um, yeah. Performance anxiety is real for a lot of people. Luckily I don't have it normally. So, so it wasn't necessarily something that you specifically wanted to do like your roommate, but it sounds like you did really want to do it. Like you, you were definitely like, please, give me a spot. <laughs> yeah. Once I, you know, kind of like when I auditioned, I was like, well, I mean, okay, this sounds cool. It's an opportunity to sing and I love music and I'm not getting to, to do anything with music while I'm down here. So let's see what, you know, what happens kind of deal. And then once I got selected, I kind of bought it. And I was like, okay, I was selected. So this must be, this must be pretty cool here. So let's see what goes on. That's when, you know, through the, the rehearsal process and stuff, I just got more and more buy-in. And then finally, you know, that, I guess that's how it, how it grew. Okay. And this is totally extracurricular. So, you know, you're, you're taking, this is, this is your time off that you're using to be a part of this program. So how difficult was it for you to make sure that your work schedule at Space Mountain worked out with your you know, your audition schedule and your performance schedule. Yeah. So um, when I was doing the college program, I don't think it's this way now. It may be, I don't think it is. But when I was in the college program, CPs or college programmers were allowed to trade shifts with anyone, full-timer, part-timer, seasonal, didn't matter. If you wanted to swap shifts and they agreed, there's an automated system that does the shift swap for you. Um, so that was really, I used that to my advantage because, um, the rehearsal process, you know, there's 
there's probably rehearsals during rehearsal season or candlelight season or whatever, you know, you want to call it. Um, there's like probably four rehearsals a week and um, each cast member is required to go to a certain number. I want to say it was like six or eight of them. And then of like eight rehearsals of the entire ensemble. And then you had to go to two sectional rehearsals. So I had to go to two rehearsals with just the guys, just tenors or whatnot. Um, and luckily I was fortunate enough to be able to swap my shifts around to where I could coordinate nights off so that I was able to make all of my rehearsals. And then how many performances did you do? When you did a performance, did you do all the performances for that day or was it like one per day or how did that work out? I want to say the year that I did it, that there were four performances. There would be one at like, let's say 4 p.m. And then there would be a little bit of a break and then there would be three more at like six, seven, and eight or something like that. So you could sign up to do the one or the three. I gotcha. Okay. Um, and so then, um, you know, and we all auditioned to be there. So everyone wants to do as many performances as they can. So they actually have us um, kind of like pick preferences. We were able to put preferences on three or four of the nights, depending on the celebrity narrator that we wanted to sing with. And then after that, you got to do like a standby where you could show up. And then if there was spots, they would take people in the order that they came off the standby line. And then they would fill up the rest of the tree that way. Now, when you got accepted for your audition, how did your... How did like your family and your friends take it when you told them that you were going to be doing this? Oh, so I put that on, I put that on Facebook when I had been accepted because I was just shocked and excited and couldn't believe that, you know, Disney had decided that I was eligible to sing for them and represent Disney because that's kind of a big weight, you know, thinking about all these people that are in entertainment that are trained professionals. And then here I am, they're like, yeah, you can sing in our cast member tree. So I put that on Facebook and all of my family and friends were just, uh, it was just, they were so excited for me. And I actually had some family that were able to come down that weren't planning on it. But then when they saw that I was going to be singing in this Christmas cantata type deal, that they actually were able to come visit and watch me perform one night. So it was really good. Oh, that is so cool. So they actually were like, okay, this is a big deal. Yeah. They were like, oh, you're singing with Neil Patrick Harris narrating. Okay. We're going to be there. We weren't before, but now we're going to be there. <laughs> Who, okay, so yeah, let's talk about guest narrators. Who were some of the guest narrators that were there during your performances? So the one that I put, like, put a preference by was Neil Patrick Harris and Whoopi Goldberg. I, I love Whoopi Goldberg ever since I grew up watching, like, her sister act movies. And I just, I loved them. So I knew that I wanted to be there a night that she was narrating. So I got to do that with Neil Patrick Harris and Whoopi Goldberg. And then I also got to sing with um, Jody Benson, which Stop. is the voice of Ariel. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, Ming-Na Wen, which is also the voice of Mulan. The trifecta. She's a Disney princess, a Marvel hero, and a Star Wars. Right. Lady. That's what I, I, I didn't know that until afterwards. I was like, wow, she's a big deal. You know? Yeah. So that was cool. Um, and then I also got to do, I'm trying to think. There was one more. Stephen Curtis Chapman. I got to do that with him too. So that was fun. Did you were like did you get to meet any of them or is it kind of like they they're kind of separate from you as 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 far as like preparation and things like that go? Um so the celebrity narrator had uh like a a room, I don't a dressing room I guess. Um that's actually back behind the American Garden Theater. And the choir, we would prep back behind, like, behind the American Gardens Pavilion, like, on the other side. And so, if, if you get what I'm saying, on the other side yeah. of the park, like, of the, the road or the street or whatever. Anyway, and so, 
when we were all lined up, we would walk and they would stop the flow of, tra- of guest traffic so that we could cross and go back behind the theater. And occasionally when we would be lining up behind the theater, the celebrity narrator would be outside of their guest um, guest room. And so they would say hi to us. And I'm trying to think who Whoopi Goldberg definitely said hello. And I want to say um, Jody Benson did as well. The other ones, I guess, were still getting prepped when we were back there. But those two, I remember specifically um, saying hi to. So. That's cool. Aside from the performances that your family was at, <laughs> was there one that really stood out to you that like felt really special? I would say out of all the narrators, Jody Benson did an excellent job narrating the the story and the script that they gave her. You know, um all the celebrity narrators kind of put their own spill their own spin on their script that they have to read. Um, but she was probably the most, I could just from the way her voice sounded, I, I knew she was excited to be there. She loved her some candlelight processional and she loved her some <laughs> music. So it was really, I think she was probably one of the more memorable narrators for sure. That's cool. Now you just have to go see it from the other side. I, I have to I know, confess, I, I have never seen it from like, front to back <laughs> if you will because be, because there's nowhere to sit and so yes. you're kind of just standing in the back look, trying to see over people's heads i i heard it i think i've heard the whole thing <laughs> um yes but it's on my it's on my li- i just know that i'm going to do the dining package and 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 yeah. guarantee myself the seat and and go do it but there's some people they go at christmas often and this is something that they always do i think it's 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 just a different feel from the you know the christmas party at magic kingdom is kind of like it it encompasses the whole park you know it's kind of everywhere all at once right and and this is just you know it's this time this place and you know it's quaint because it's yeah it feels very homey homey because it's small and yeah there are families i mean there's two kinds of people really there's people that have never heard of candlelight processional and then there are people that are like avid fans of candlelight processional there's really no in between once you find out what it is you kind of fall in love with it from what i've in my experience um because i had some friends that i worked with you know, when I told them, hey, I, I've been selected to sing in the cast member tree, they're like, oh, my gosh, I've been going that, to that my entire life. And, you know, because, like you said, it's such a rich Disney tradition, like even their parents had been going to visit Candlelight to see it every year when they yeah. were growing up as well. So, you know, she was like, my family goes to see it every year and I'm going to get to see it with you this time. And so, yeah, like you said, it's a very, very rich Disney tradition. And it's also a small tradition as well. It's not this, you know. It's a hidden gem in a way. It is. It it is. And, you know, Epcot on its own at Christmas is so cool because each country is kind of like, you know, showing off their their own particular Christmas traditions if they have them, you know, or their, you know, their mm-hmm. their celebra- celebratory traditions. But this is like, this is the only show. You know, there's narrators in all of the countries that are kind of talking about the traditions, but this is the only, this is the only show that you're going to see about it at right. Epcot. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It is. It's a. It's a hot ticket. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my friends, they would that, that when the nights that they would come see me, I mean, they would get in line because you know we're just cast members, so they're not going to do the dining package. I mean, they would get in line two, three hours before showtime just to come see me. And I'm like, oh my goodness, thank you so much. <laughs> so <laughs> early. Like they would get there before I did, before my call time. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, that is it, that is kind of funny. Okay. So kind of coming coming back to your, you know, overall Disney college program experience, um, was it what you expected? So yes. 
but I think I was kind of an odd case here. Um, I definitely did not expect to do the um, the candlelight processional. So that was something I did not see coming. That just kind of happened. And I'm so glad that it did. And I'm fortunate and lucky and honored to say that I'm a part of that um, because that is a family. I mean, the cast members that did that, you can tell like when I showed up for the rehearsal, there are cast members that have done this together for like 10 plus years. And they really only see each other this time of year because Disney World is such a large place that you could have friends and work at the same theme park even and never see each other. So the cast members that sing in the tree themselves, they're a family too. It was kind of cool to see that. But anyway, going back to with my college program experience, what I expected, uh, I think a lot of people go in thinking that the college program is going to be just like going on vacation for six months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's definitely not. Um, it is a lot of work. It's good work and it's fun work, but the hours are long, they're late. Um, and with any front facing customer service frontline position, there's going to be those moments that it's just not magical, but the other ones, the other good times is what makes up for it. And I luckily had had some wisdom poured into me from a friend who did the college program and told me all that. I'm like, okay. So I kind of came in knowing and expecting, and it really helped. But like I said, I think a lot of folks apply and they think it's going to be like going on vacation for seven months. And it's not really that. (laughs) No, it is not. When you've worked outside all day in July, come talk to me. (laughs) Right. And I'm even lucky enough to say that my attraction was inside. So I was outside for like three of the positions, but the rest of the time I'm in a cold building in the dark with no windows. So it was fantastic. I mean, outdoor (laughs) food vendors, if you did that, I have respect for you because toting that big thing strapped to your shoulders full of like drinks and popcorn. I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) But even for you, I mean, you know, uh, most roles you're on your feet all day um yes and your yeah your sleep cycles can get a little messed up uh <laughs> when you are going to sleep when the sun is coming up but yeah it it is really hard work but there's a huge payoff i think so rewarding yes so rewarding and definitely changes the re- the trajectory of your life like my life would not look like it does now and i know that sounds so stereotypical like it defined me or whatever but my life would not look like it does now if i had not have done the college program you know probably would still would have still been fine and good and blessed and all those things but totally looks different than it would have if i had not done the program no i totally agree and i when I did my my last college program interview with my friend Katie, I had mentioned I, I saw this meme and I need to find it because it's hilarious. It was like, you know, I did the Disney college program and that became my personality for the rest yes. of my life. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Why is this true? <laughs> like, I hate to admit it, but it's the truth. <laughs> um. What kind of surprised you the most about being a cast member? Probably, I don't know. There's there's so many things that I guess surprised me or that I was not expecting in ways, you know, like I was expecting the hard work or whatever, but I did not expect Disney to empower their cast members so well to make it right. Um, because in the previous jobs that I had had, you know, if something was not right with an order or with, you know, a guest was upset, you know, I had to call management and Disney does so well with making sure that their cast members aren't empowered to make it right there. So that way it's resolved faster. Um, It may be even resolved better than it would be if you had to wait on management to come and resolve the situation themselves. So that was really shocking of a company that big that they care enough to make sure that the cast members can write a no strings attached um, form to make, you know, something right. Like if a kid were to lose a plush Mickey on Space Mountain and they are just distraught, I can, I can turn the frown upside down. Hey, why don't you go get an even bigger one on us? You know, that kind of thing. And it's not even Disney's fault, but we're able to resolve the tears and make, take the stress off of mom and dad again, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I I think I was a little I'm I was like I'm literally the lowest man on the totem pole here and I don't have to ask anybody 
anything, I can just fix it. <laughs> However, right, I think it's, it's the even... best way in the moment. <laughs> right. Because if I were to do that, like at my previous customer service jobs before the program, they would be concerned about the money that that costs mm-hmm. to get replacement meals or replacement items or whatever. Disney doesn't care. They would rather their guests be happy. And that's super cool to me. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, here's something fun. Because I, I know most of us probably do, but do you have like a most treasured possession from your college program? Like anything that you're just like, this is my special thing. (laughs) Well, I definitely have a memory box full of things that were special to me, like, um, a lot of paper fast passes that have expired that um because you know like the the paper fast passes they were good for like a month and we would keep some in our pockets to give the guests that didn't that had a, a, a situation you know or anything like that and so if let's say they were good for the month of september and then october rolls around and i still have some september ones in my pocket i would keep them so i still got those those are great keepsakes um, probably the biggest one though is my lanyard with my name tag on it and i'm you probably maybe there's i'm sure there's lots of college programmers out there that would say the same thing. I mean, it's hanging up on my rear view mirror in my car still. And it's been what, four years now. So that's, yeah. If my thing. house is burning down, I'm running back in to get my name. Tag. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. It's, it's just those little things. It's nothing expensive. It's just these little, these little things that you could kind of get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have yeah. a, I have an eyes and ears. Did they still do that for you guys? The the cast oh, yeah. member? Okay, yeah, I have I have one um from when Lilo and Stitch came out. And oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and I'm like, this free thing they gave us is <laughs> my treasure. <laughs> right. See, I have an Eyes and Ear uh Ears magazine from when the Shanghai Disney Resort opened. I kept that one. So it's kinda of funny that you kept one as well from the <laughs> big moment while you were there. Um what did working at Walt Disney World mean to you? I guess it was just a. It felt like a an honor, a responsibility, um, because it's kind of like you have to carry the torch per se. You know, you have to keep the magic going, and so it was cool. I guess that's what what it means most to me is just the fact that I was able to create those magical memories um, for myself and for guests too, and it was just a normal thing. That's what you did. You know, that's probably the most meaningful part. And here's the, here's the, here's the one that I get asked a lot is if working at Disney sort of like ruined the magic for me. And I, you know, am a hard no on that. Did, did it for you ruin any magic or, you know, how do you feel about that? I heard that too, that people would say, when you come back from your program, the magic is going to be ruined and you will never want to, you know, set foot in the magic kingdom again, or it just won't be the same. And for me, like, yes, it won't be the same, but it's different. Like I appreciate the magic now because I know the hard work that it takes to keep the magic alive, especially even right now during these times, like shout out to my cast member friends down there that are smiling underneath the masks and trying to take people, the guests, away from this world where COVID doesn't exist for even just a moment Yeah, to make people smile and kind of forget about the weight of the world for a second. So, but no, the the magic is still there and is stronger than ever for sure. Yeah. It's like you've got the peak behind the curtain and it's, I, I know, yeah, I know all the hard work that it takes and all the little, the magic is real. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so you got some advice from somebody heading into your Disney College program, but what advice would you give to a future Disney College program student? I would say if there's anyone out there that is thinking about it or considering it, I know that they're not taking the program right now because of, you know, circumstances, obviously, that are out of our hands. But in the future, when it does return, because I know it will um, do it, if you're thinking about it at all, go ahead and apply. and just give it your best shot, you know, because you're only in college for so long. You're only in that age gap window for so long. Um, And if you're concerned, also another one, if you're concerned about having to stop college classes to go do the program and then come back and be behind, um, I recommend doing what I did. So I went to college um, 
I did a victory lap. It took me five years to get my undergrad, but, um, I, um, I applied for the program the semester that I graduated. So I was technically in college when I was accepted and they allowed me to come do the program after I received my degree. So I got to have a little bit of fun before going into the workplace. So that would probably be my advice for anyone that's concerned about having to stop classes and then come back and be behind. Yes. I would also add that there is no such thing as behind. (laughs) It's your life. And college right. will always be there. And like you said, this is kind of, this is what my parent, my parents told me. Cause I got, when I got accepted, I almost, I, I actually was considering not going cause I don't know what craziness came over me, but they were like, this is happening now. And college can happen when you're any age. So, right. um, well, for me, it kind of felt, I kind of felt selfish in a way. Cause if this was for me. And I don't, the type of person that I am, I don't do a lot of things that are just for me. Normally I do things that are for people and then I get like satisfaction from that. So it felt really, really selfish of me to be like, Hey, I just graduated, but I'm going to go have some fun for a while. And I won't be here for the holidays, by the way, you know, and I left my girlfriend at the time who is now my wife. And that was, I just felt so bad. I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm so glad I did. And it actually made our relationship even stronger too. So that's good. Cool. Did she get to come visit you when you were there? She did. I got to, um, because I'd been working long enough to get some of those comp tickets, I was able to take her down for a weekend, and we got to go to Magic Kingdom, and I think we did one other park. I don't remember, but yes, she did get to come visit me once. That's good. Okay. Okay, last question. So, if the genie appeared before you and granted you the opportunity to do any three things maybe experiencing an attraction or a show or eating at a certain restaurant, any three things, what would you do? Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, I would say if I could wish to go back and experience maybe just a day or a week of my program again, I totally would. I think there's some people that by the end of the program, they're kind of burnt out. They're like, I'm not doing this again. you know. But then there's also people that extend and do two or three college programs. But even then, those people say that those the two or three are nothing like their first. So if I could just go back maybe for a week or so of my first program and relive it and work it all over again, I probably would ask for that. That's one. Two would be... I have yet to experience the uh, Star Wars land. Is that what it's called? I don't know the technical name. That's bad of me. But in Hollywood Studios that just opened. Mm-hmm. And I hear that it is super hard to get on Rise of the Resistance, the newest attraction there. Yeah. So if I could just wave a wand and get to ride that like two or three times in a row without like missing a beat, that would be nice. <laughs> so that's two, I guess. And then the third... I don't know, because I've always wanted to uh, work for the company again in some capacity, but I don't see myself ever really moving back to the Orlando area. So I guess <laughs> if there was a way that we could take North Alabama and make that into Orlando, <laughs> that way I can work there, <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> I, I have that feeling too sometimes. Where I'm like, it would be cool to work there again, but yeah, it's it's a lot, you know. And like, yeah, I applaud the cast members that do that, and 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 there's no shame in it. Like they're they're heroes. But I I think Orlando is just a little too big for me. I'm a small town guy, so I, I like to have my my two lane roads and no traffic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I live out in the country too, <laughs> just kind of out. Yeah, small small town out here. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, well, that was awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. Oh yeah, of course. Thanks for allowing me to to share my experience. You know, I don't know the college programmer that doesn't enjoy getting to talk about their experience. So, oh, it's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> um, where can people find you on the internet? if they want to contact you or ask you questions or any of that good stuff. Yeah. So actually, um, I guess in a way that third wish that I had talked about um, getting to work for the company again, although I don't work for Disney, 
I actually am a um, an authorized vacation planner. Um, I work for Fairy Godmother Travel, my wife and I both, and we specialize in Disney destinations. So um, if you ever wanted to reach out to us, we have an Instagram and a Facebook page just at the Swaders, um, S-W-A-D-E-R, the Swaders at Fairy Godmother Travel. And even if it's not really about travel, if you just have questions about the candlelight processional or anything Disney related, feel free to message that page and I'd love to chat. So, cool. So, you know, if you're planning a vacation and need some help, why not? You know, shameless plug. But yeah, no, definitely do it because I highly recommend having someone help you, especially if it is your first time visiting a Disney park or if it's been a while because there is a lot of changes and always changing. And I do have, I do have training with all of the new things that even I haven't gotten to experience yet. So I'm able to help you on things like that. And then as well, you know, as a, uh, a former cast member, you know, you too, we both have knowledge that maybe someone that's planning their own vacation might not know about. And then the good thing is also our services are totally free. They don't cost any extra to our clients. So that's always a good to show you that, you know, we're not here to make money off of you. I'm really here to make sure you have a good vacation and you get the most out of it. Perfect. Okay. So now listeners, we want to hear from you. So have you ever been to Walt Disney World during Christmas time and seen the candlelight processional? You can head over to our private Facebook group and let us know. And thank you, Nick, for being here. And we will be talking to you hopefully again sometime soon. Yeah. Happy holidays, everybody. That's a wrap on this episode. Thanks so much for riding the red line with us as Nick shared his stories from the cast member side of the magic. You can find Nick, along with his lovely wife, Caitlin, on Instagram at thesuaders at fairy godmother travel. Or you can email them directly at thesuaders at fairygodmothertravel.com. Now that you've had a listen, we invite you to join our Maine and Magic Friends community on Facebook to share your thoughts about the episode and even ask Nick a question I might have missed. He's in the group, so feel free to tag him in your posts. Just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Maine and Magic to join. If you've got a comment or a question, you can also email me at maineandmagic at gmail.com. And you can find me on Instagram at Maine and Magic. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to share it out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and pop over to iTunes and leave us a review. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you all have a very safe and happy holiday. And of course, in the Disney tradition, around here, we don't like to say goodbye, so we say, see you real soon. See you real soon.